individuation symbolism in the Old Testament. But before I do that, <clears throat> I want to go back and read uh, the biblical verse that Dr. Edinger put at the beginning of the book in the frontispiece. And it says, Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. And I want to make sure I've read the preface to the book, which I might have, in my excitement of getting started yesterday, I might have gotten uh, ahead of myself. Good afternoon, Miles. Nice to see you. I have exciting news for you this sometime soon. Um, anyway, um, the preface. So let me just get that out of the way. The preface of this book. The title of this book links two terms of unequal familiarity, namely the Old Testament and individuation. The contents of the Old Testament have been known and revered for well over 2,000 years, whereas individuation as a psychological process has been discovered only in the 20th century by C.G. Jung. Individuation is both simple and impossible to define. In its simple definition, quote, individuation means becoming a single homogenous being, and insofar as individuality embraces our innermost, last, and incomparable uniqueness, it also implies becoming one's own self. We could therefore translate individuation as coming to selfhood or self-realization. It does? Yeah, that's a good definition. You gotta define, you gotta develop a strong sense of self, of individual. Yeah, it does, not and the footnote for that is C.G. Jung, Two Essays on Analytical Psychology, Collected Works 7, Paragraph 266. Its impossible definition can be approached by reading Jung's Mysterium Conjunctionis in its entirety. About this book, Jung says, the entire alchemical procedure for uniting the opposites, which I have described in Mysterium Conjunctionis, could just as well represent the individuation process of a single individual. By yet another definition, individuation is the process of the ego's encounter with and progressive relation to the self. Unfortunately, this merely replaces one unknown term with another. Such definitions become comprehensible only when one has experienced the realities to which they refer. Hi, Nicholas. Nice to see you today. Hey, Doc. No. Okay, so now I'm going to go to um, chapter two. So I'm reading from the Bible and the spiky individuation symbolism in the Old Testament. And so what this presumes is that the Old Testament is true because it represents all of our individuation processes symbolically. And so chapter two, beginnings, creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's... Uh, I believe that's Genesis 1-1, but I don't have that. It takes so long and like little pauses and shit. Anyway, because there are four nouns in the first verse of Genesis, the Gnostics took it as a reference to the Dabakim Tetrad. Quote, Moses then, and let me give you the image that goes with this. This summer, dress to chill in Foamies by Skechers. Foamies are colorful, lightweight footwear for the whole family that are completely 
group. Head to the beach, pool, or wherever you're keeping cool. Then just wash them off. Get comfortable in Foamies by Skechers. Hello from Brazil. Welcome. Quote, Moses then, they declare, by his mode of beginning the account of creation, at once shows the principle, Arche, to be the mother of all things when he says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. For, as they maintain by naming these four, God, beginning, heaven, and earth, he set forth their tetrad. The unfolding of this, of the four, the unfolding of the first four nouns can be charted thus. And so this image that I'm showing you right now is what appears in the book. This corresponds to the notion of the pre-Socratic philosophers that the first step in creation of the universe was the differentiation of the prima materia into four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. The Greek term for prima materia is arche. The same... It does? No. ...word used in the Septuagint to translate resheth beginning. Now, one thing that I think will be helpful is if you envision the birth of a newborn child. Um, and so all, for all of us, we come out of darkness and we come into the light. And so there's the heaven and the earth. And we have basically fallen out of heaven in doc, the way Dr. Young put it. The process of division into four is a primordial cosmogonic image. Jung points out its important role in alchemy. Quote, as a quaternio quaternity, with the two opposites crossing one another. <clears throat> as, for instance, the four elements or the four qualities, moist, dry, cold, warm, or the four directions and seasons, thus producing the cross as an emblem of the four elements and symbol of the subluminary, subluminary physical world. He says this in... Mysterium Conjunctionis, Collected Works 14, Paragraph 1. So I'm going to remove that share. Okay. It also appears in psychotherapy at crucial moments of creative encounter with the unconscious. The Kabbalists consider, considered that, quote, God created the world by joining thereto the secret doctrine of the Kabbalah, the word Bereshev, with which Genesis opens and which has been rendered sometimes in wisdom or in the beginning is said to signify the secret doctrine and its part in the work of creation. Hello from Ukraine. Welcome. Okay, I'm not going to respond to chats uh, until I finish. Okay, well then fucking read, dude. So thank you all for being here. The reference here is to Proverbs 8, where wisdom says of herself, Yahweh created me when his purpose first unfolded, before the oldest of his works. From everlasting I was firmly set, from the beginning, before earth came into being. Verses 22 and 23. And it doesn't? No. So like, you know, the, the Nazis say like, wisdom is an aeon, like it's a goddess kind of, you know, it does. No. I was gonna say, what do you think about the idea of turn your demons into protectors? It doesn't? Or turn uh, demons. I have no idea what that means. I guess it's like the idea, like, don't fight it, but, like, maybe, uh, like, love it, and then it will become your protector or whatever. Well, it could be. I, I, I've never heard that. Yeah. 
And then what do you think about the idea, like, at the beginning, some people say, like, at the beginning of a time, like, the Jews will say, like, at the beginning of a time, it was, like, God was, like, a divine matchmaker, and he kind of set up all the relationships that would happen, all the marriages and everything. Any thoughts on that? Well, that's an organizing frame of reference. A, a, a premise? Maybe it is the idea, though, that, that, like, things aren't random, but also maybe, like, Maybe it's pointing to the idea of, like, the there is something about, like, the female, the feminine and the male, you know, any thoughts? Yeah, could be. I was by his side, a master craftsman, delighting him. To so that's what he's going to talk about here. He's saying that, like, God is the male part, but then Sophia is the female, and that's wisdom. And that's what they said the female part was. Like, any thoughts on that? No. Day after day, ever at play in his presence, verse 30. Following Proverbs 9.10, we can take the associations one step further. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and thus such fear also becomes the prima materia of creation. Since divine wisdom was assimilated to the figure of Christ, he also became synonymous with the beginning. In Revelation 3.14, he is called, quote, the ultimate source, arche, of God's creation, unquote. It does. Other texts equate the Arche with the Word. The Gospel of John begins, In the beginning, Arche was the Word. Theophilus of Antioch writes, quote, God begat his Word, emitting him along with his own wisdom before all things. He is called, quote, Governing Principle, Arche, and, uh, close parentheses, because he rules and is Lord of all things fashioned by him. According to Hillary, Barishneth is a Hebrew word which has three meanings. They are in the beginning, in the head, and in the sun. Danielu speculates that this text may derive from Colossians 1, 15-18, and that both reflect the same rabbinical tradition, certainly the three terms. And it does? I know I heard the idea like it wasn't in the beginning but in the head God like with wisdom God created the universe like it wasn't actually the beginning or I guess in the sun would be with like with through Jesus like any thoughts of that no beginning head and sun appear as uh, synonyms quote he is the image of the unseen God and the firstborn son of all creation from him were created all things in heaven and on earth, everything visible and everything invisible, thrones, dominions, sovereignties, powers. All things were created through him and for him. Before anything was created, he existed, and he holds all things in unity. Now the church is his body. He is, the, he is its head. As he is the beginning, he was first to be born from the dead, so that he should be first in every way. This pion to the pre-existent Christ refers psychologically to the role of the innate self in the creation of consciousness. The, the church as body of Christ can be understood as the Ecclesia Spiritualis. Genesis 1-2 continues, quote, Now the earth was a formless void. There was darkness over the deep, and God's spirit hovered over the water, unquote. Quote, formless. Remember, you said that you, you saw, like, significance in that, like, God hovering over the water, like, it doesn't? Well, yeah, 
Yeah, they, so 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 they mention stuff like like if grab if I say like any thoughts of that if you have any ideas like that mention it you know. Yeah. What were you saying? See, the, the God is a hovering presence, like a gestating, like a bird uh, hovers over its eggs in order to for them to hatch. That's a metaphor. For, uh, God is a hovering presence is the context in which everything is created. Yeah, any other thoughts there? No. What do you think about the idea of, like, I can, I can feel it in the air, I can hear it in your voice, like a song by Dina Siegel? No. No thoughts on that. Well, because it's this idea, like, you know, is that the flow, though? Like, you know, it's, it's saying it's this intuition, like, you can feel it, there's something wrong going on, I can feel it, I can hear it in your voice, like something's going on. And the song's about like who's betrayed by the person. Like I can feel, it, I can he- feel it in the air. I can hear it in your voice. Like any thoughts of that? Yeah, that could be a way of talking about intuiting, intuitive wisdom. But but is that the flow, or is that just you know if it's a feeling, isn't that related to the body? Like any thoughts? Well, see, I, it sounds like he's talking about more than a feeling. Maybe a more accurate word would be I have the impression. Yeah, but but regardless, so but but I would say like but the idea is though like the flow has feelings, you know there is feelings and stuff. But you would say that like you wouldn't like hold on to the feelings, but and, and also sometimes the feelings can be deceiving. Like some somebody can feel something and it's not really true, but at the same time though maybe the flow does correspond to like feelings if if you have that intuitive feeling. If you don't want to deny the feeling aspect, right or what? Right, that was... right. So there is feelings with the flow. I can feel it in the air. I can hear it in your voice. Like, like you, you can hear it in his voice, or, or like you feel it in the air. There's something, there's something in the air. Like the firefighter, he felt it in the air, so he ran out of the place, and then the thing blew up, and he didn't know what it was, but he felt it. Like any thoughts? Yeah. So, so, but, but the question is, was that just sensation perception? Was that just a response? Destroyed. Translate. Because, was that just a response, or was yeah. that the flow? Or all of the above. Trying to know. Maybe maybe the response is maybe maybe the flow is all of that, regardless. But some yeah. maybe the flow includes thinking in in in, a, in feelings and sensation perceptions and beliefs and all that. But also the flow transcends it in that it 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 can it involves all of that. But also when you're in the flow, you can also transcend all of that to an even higher domain or something. Yeah. Like Probably. every everything's a flow, but sometimes you're more. In, in a in a prime level, any thoughts? No. It's the Hebrew tohu wahohu. This same phrase is used by Jeremiah to describe the effects of an invasion from the north caused by Yahweh's vengeance against Israel. Quote: I look to the earth to see a formless waste, tohu wahohu, to the heavens, and their light had gone. I look to the mountains to see them quaking, and all the lights a stir the whole land shall be laid waste i will make an end of it once and for all it does that what do you think about that idea tohu or bohu you know i i that was a part of my uh, my uh, so 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 when I, when i say like any thoughts on that seminar. When I, when I say any thoughts on that, then mention all that, you know, because otherwise I'm going to be asking how many, any thoughts on that. You might have thoughts on it, but you're not saying anything, you know? You see what I'm saying? 
was just I was just starting to say that. No, I know, I know, I, but but before that, I, I had to mention that. But what I'm saying is, like, if I say like any thoughts on that with stuff, and, and you have any thoughts, please mention it. You know, otherwise we're gonna pass over stuff that you could have had. You know, put some input that would have been helpful. Like any thoughts. No. All right. Well, go ahead. What were you saying? That that was a part of my paper, my thesis paper for my graduation from seminary. I Tohu Wabohu was one of the 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 Hebrew phrases that I analyzed, but I don't remember any of that now. What I concluded. Yeah. Any other? Jeremiah 4, 23 through 27. It is as though Yahweh, like an alchemist, is reducing the land of the prima materia to its state prior to creation. The term deep translates the Hebrew tehom. It has been claimed that tehom is a derivative of the Babylonian tiamat, but in Heidel's opinion, it is rather that both words go back to a common Semitic form. Either way, tehom is linked symbolically with Tiamat, the primordial monster overcome by the hero, Marduk. He divided the colossal body into two parts, one the sky, the other the earth. Tiamat symbolizes maternal chaos that undergoes differentiation when it encounters spirit. Thus, the spirit of God that broods over Tehom is followed by the division of light from darkness. I'll make a note here so I can come back to this in comments later on. Okay, the Septuagint translates Tehom as abyssos, abyss, meaning bottomless depth, without bissos, depth. Quote, in Gnosticism, the father of all is described not only as masculine and feminine, or neither, but as bithos, the abyss. The symbolism of the sea and the abyss overlie in patristic usage. Jung summarizes it, quote, the sea is the world. It is the essence of the world as the element subject to the devil. St. Hilary says, by the depths of the sea is meant the sea, the seat of hell. The sea is the gloomy abyss, the remains of the original pit, and hence of the chaos that covered the earth. For St. Augustine, this abyss is the realm of power allotted to the devil and demons after their fall. Hey, does? No. Yeah, well, I mean, even in like the the Hindu stories, the sea is a, is a is a asura. It's a demon, you know, the sea god. But uh, I mean, but I was gonna say that like I was also thinking about like synesthesia and like you know numbers speaking to you and stuff. And I'm wondering if that's a part of the flow or if that's just sensation stuff. But like you know, listen to someone's name and you can get a sense of it and you can connect it to that person's qualities. Like the rabbi was saying that like. This person heard somebody's name and he could connect it to that person's qualities and knew stuff about him just by his name and stuff. I wonder if that's the flow or any thoughts on that. Yeah, it's very possible. Or is it just the intuition or I mean I mean everything's kinda of the flow, but well, I guess I, I guess I guess the flow might correspond to like uh just like a heightened level that is like reaching the, the heights of even transcendence any thoughts of that. Yeah. What were you gonna say? It is on the one hand a deep that cannot be reached or comprehended, and on the other hand the depths of sin. For Gregory the Great, the sea is the depths of eternal death. Since ancient times it was the abode of water demons. There dwells Leviathan, 
Job 3, 8, who in the language of the father signifies the devil. Rayner documents the patristic equations, Diabolus equals Draco equals Leviathan equals Cetus Magnus equals Aspis, Adder, Asp equals Draco. <clears throat> St. Jerome says the devil surrounds the seas and the ocean on all sides. The Tohu Wabohu. He does. The Tehum can both be considered as synonyms for the prima materia, the original not yet created stuff which the alchemists spoke of as the increatum. Paracelsus describes it eloquently, quote, the great mystery is uncreated and has prepared and was prepared by the great artificer himself. It is certain that all perishable things sprang from and were produced by the uncreated mystery. All created things proceeded from one matter, not each one separately of its own peculiar matter. This common matter of all things is the great mystery. Where, wherever the ether is diffused, there also the orb of the great mystery lies extended. This great mystery is the mother of all elements, and at the same time, the spleen, male spawn, of all the stars, trees, and carnal creatures. As children come forth from the mother, so from the great mystery are generated all created things. So the quadrant, the quadrant is the great mystery. Yeah. Yeah, must be. Yeah, it doesn't. No. These pa these passages can be read as description of the unconscious in its aspect of potentiality. Over the primordial darkness of the prima materia, the spirit of God hovered like a brooding bird, and by this act, light and darkness, upper and lower waters, sea and dry land are separated from each other, and the world as we know it unfolds. The New English Bible reads, A mighty wind swept over the surface of the waters, Genesis 1-2, indicating the symbolic equation, wind equals spirit. It is the creative encounter between... Hey, does? No. Spirit and undifferentiated substance that sets off creation. In Aristotelian terms, it is the meeting of form and matter. This image pictures the elemental foundation of Anlage, of the psyche, occurring no. at a pre-ego phase of the development. Anlage, the footnote reads, the term used in embryology, referring to the first accumulation of cells in an embryo, recognizable as the beginning of a developing organ. It applies not only to the initial development of the psyche, but also to each new increment of emerging consciousness. The theme of light being generated in the midst of darkness and wind is a familiar image in depth psychotherapy. For example, Jung reports a youthful dream of his, quote, it was night in some unknown place, and I was making slow and painful headway against a mighty wind. Dense fog was flying along everywhere. I had my hands cupped around a tiny light, which threatened to go out at any moment. Everything depended on my keeping this little light alive." Unquote. Another example is a dream of my own as a young man. Now, this is Edward Edinger, who's the author of this book, Edward Edinger. So this is what his dream as a young man, quote, it is a wild and windy night. 
The electricity seems to be off and some candles are in use. At one time, I see the President of the United States, Eisenhower, in an adjoining room working on the State of the Union message by the light of a fitful candle, which is being blown by the wind. Outside the house, a fire is being kept burning in an open fireplace. The strong wind makes the fire burn high and brilliantly. The night is on. It does? No. See, Walter Russell says everything is light. That's the creation out of light. Is Everything is created. Yeah, but that... Okay, so what, though, like... Well, yeah, I'm just saying. Well, I know, I know, I'm no, but what, yeah, what I'm saying is like, yeah, okay, I, I see what you're saying with the transpersonal idea, like, okay, everything's one, it's all light and everything, but, but that's all that that tells you. That doesn't get you very far. But what gets you far is to understand, yeah, but how are things organized? There's a strong force, a weak force, electromagnetic force, and gravity. How, what, what does everything is light have to do with that? You know what I mean? And then, and then, what about the the four domains of Nothing. light? You know what I mean? But, but no, but what I'm getting at is like, what, and then, and then, how do we then? Okay, now, and then we have to understand that there's viruses and and bacteria and archaea and eukaryotes, you know, the four domains and stuff like, okay, everything's life, but but why is there the four domains of life, you know what I mean? And that's what the quadrant model does. I understand that, that yeah, that's a very mystical idea, cool idea, everything is life, but what the quadrant model does is it, it, it provides a little substance uh, describing how reality actually expresses itself. You know what I mean? Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that's clear. Um, what, what do you think about the idea that people say like it's important to have a meaning in life? Like any thoughts there? Well, yeah. Otherwise, you go schizophrenic. Well, what, what about like it's you important to have a purpose? unglued. What about the idea of like it's important to have a purpose? Any thoughts there? Well, that that's the way you you live out your 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 organizing frame of reference. I was going to ask, did did you answer my emails? Did you, yeah, so, did you so, check look, your – see if I did? Look, look, look over the emails. I don't think you've been answering them, the last ones I sent you. Um, I, I could be. Yeah, can, can, can you check? Yeah, I can check. Can you check right now? No, I'm not with my computer. When you get the chance, check and then call me and let me know if, if, if you got no, them. You, you got all you have to do is go online. You'll see if I. No, I know. I I got online, and you didn't answer them. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so no, no, so you already know the no, answer. Okay, no. So I'm saying is, is call me and tell me if you if you see my emails or not, because they're they're sent like a week ago, you know, a long time ago. No, I always see your emails. No, okay. Well, then call when when you see them, call me and then and tell me and and then and then send them. No. Okay, if if you don't no, see them, no, if you don't see them, then call me and tell me that you don't see them, so I can send you new ones. Hey, hey. Hey, are you giving me orders? No, what I'm saying is if you don't see them, then tell me so I can send you new ones. If you see them, then don't tell me. And you can just respond. But what I'm saying is if you don't see them, then that means that something happened and I'll send you new ones. Okay? Yeah, I see them. I see them all the time. Okay, but you just didn't respond. I don't remember. I've been okay. pretty busy. Okay, but... I, I'm saying that I don't see a response, but it's possible that you did respond, but maybe something happened. I don't know. Uh, but, but you know, because another thing is like I have another email account. That's the reason why I'm confused. So, but I think I sent you, sent it to you in this email account that I don't see them in. But I have another one. I could, it's possible that I sent it on that, but I don't think I did. But regardless, if you, if you 
tell, tell me if you responded to the last ones you sent or not when you get the chance. Okay? Okay. Thanks. All right, so yeah, but what do you think about the idea of like it's important to have a purpose and everything like that? Yeah, yeah well, that's all a part of your organizing frame of reference. See, that's that thing that I've talked about before, the four things. You have a, a vision, a purpose, no, a vision, a mission, a purpose, and goals. That's all a part of your organizing frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't? No. The radio is apparently on, and suddenly we are told to look up at the sky for a message. Then comes an unearthly high-pitched shriek. I look up to the sky and see a brilliant streak of light across it. This <clears throat> this quickly arranges itself into the words of a message. Unquote. These dreams are associated with the psychological fact that every increase in consciousness, light, derives from a creative encounter with darkness, the abyss, chaos. This brings about a threatening darkening of the ego, but the law of opposites is then activated, and the compensating wind of the spirit rushes in. This spirit fertilizes the darkness, and new light is born. According to an Orphic creation myth, quote, black-winged knight, a goddess of whom even Zeus stands in awe, was courted by the wind and laid a silver egg in the womb of darkness. And Eros, whom some call Phanes, was hatched from his from this egg and set the universe in motion. Unquote. Okay, so that is it does. No. The beginnings. All I mean, that's the creation. Next is Adam and Eve, and um, we're also going to have the flood and uh, the Tower of Babel coming up in this chapter. think you can see the the um, parallels to this imagery and what a newborn image uh, a newborn infant would experience immediately upon birth with seeing light and spirit and earth and so on so adam and eve there are two accounts of the creation of man according to genesis 2 7 yahweh god fashions yahweh god fashioned man of dust from the soil then he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and thus man became a living being. It does? No. Man, Adam, comes from the earth, Adama, and shall return to it, Genesis 3, 18 and 23. Man is thus a union of opposites, matter and spirit, but with an emphasis on matter since his very name means earth. This leads us into coagulatio symbolism, since Earth is a symbol for that process. The creation of man is also a conjunctio, a union of opposites, and fulfills the alchemical recipe, spiritualize the body, and coagulate the spirit. This same idea is expressed another way. It does? No, not yet. When the other account, quote, God created man in the image of himself, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 27. The God image lodged in a creature of earth corresponds to the union of spirit and matter. Jung has demonstrated that Adam is an image of the Anthropos, the original whole man, 
a symbol of the self. One aspect of the symbolism is his androgyny, implied by the fact that Eve was made out of, of his rib, Genesis 1, 21 and 22. This corresponds to Plato's original round man. It does. No. As described in the symposium, Adam as Anthropos is illustrated in the Adam Cadman of the Kabbalah and shows up occasionally in modern dreams. As a union of opposites, Adam is a paradoxical figure. Not only does he symbolize the Anthropos, but also in the theology of Paul as the old Adam, he represents the corrupt nature of man superseded by the second Adam, Christ. The temptation of Adam and Eve by the serpent has important psychological implications. Jung says, quote, there is deep doctrine in the legend of the fall. It is the expression of a dim presentment that the emancipation of ego consciousness was a Luciferian deed. Man's whole history consists from the very beginning in a conflict between his feeling of inferiority and his arrogance. That's from Archetypes of the Collective Unconscious. Collective. Hey, does that? What do you think about the idea of the snake representing. Huh? What are you going to say? Well, I, I would just. See, he, he's, he's interpreting that as if somehow uh, the dual nature of man, one is the good part and the other is the bad part, rather than these are simply two parts of the same thing. And that the eagle is not evil or fallen, it's just. It's magnificent and is limited. Yeah, doesn't it? No. What do you think about the idea that the snake represents the infinite? That's what Jordan Peterson says, like, it doesn't. No, I never thought, I never heard of that before. Works 9 1, paragraph 420. Or, like, what about the aurora borealis, you know, the snake eating its tail, like, it doesn't? Maybe that represents the idea like, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Like the snake lives by the sword. It doesn't. I don't know. It could be. The fruit of the tree of knowledge. I never thought of that. Evil symbolizes the birth of consciousness with the dawning awareness of the opposites. Certain Gnostic sects reverse the roles of Yahweh and the serpent, considering Yahweh as the evil demiurge and the serpent as the spiritual redeemer of man. An example of this standpoint is found in quote, on the origin of the world, a Gnostic tractate found in the Nag Hammadi library. In this account, the seven planetary ar planetary archons, in this account, the seven planetary archons are in the role of the Old Testament, Yahweh. Quote, then the seven took counsel. They came to Adam and Eve timidly. They said to him, Every tree which is in paradise, whose fruit may be eaten, was created for you, but, be, but beware, don't eat from the tree of knowledge. If you eat, do eat, you will die. After they gave them a fright, they withdrew up to their authorities. Then the one who is wiser than all of them, this one who was called the beast, came. And when he saw the likeness of their mother Eve, he said to her, What is it that God said to you? Don't eat of the tree of knowledge, she said. He only, he only, he not only said, don't eat from it, but don't touch it lest you die. He said to her, don't be afraid. You certainly shall not die. 
for the he knows that when you eat from it your mind will be sobered and you will become like god knowing the distinctions which exist between evil and good men for he said this to you lest you eat from it since he is jealous it does yeah well again in, in my study of the old testament creation story the tree was not of good and evil it was of what works and what doesn't work the tree of knowledge the knowledge of what works and what doesn't work to to make happen what you want to make happen mm-hmm. that's the way i always interpret it well it's it's not evil it's not bad it's just limited yeah. it just doesn't work no. Now Eve believed. But that's still not the flow to know what works and what doesn't work. When you're in the flow, you kind of let go of that, right? Exactly. Yeah, see, that's what the tree of knowledge is. It's the tree of how to make things happen, how to achieve your goals. And that's useful knowledge, and it's limited. And it doesn't? No the words of the instructor she looked at the tree and she saw that it was beautiful and magnificent and she desired it she took some of its fruit and ate and she gave to her husband also and he ate too then their mind opened for when they ate the light of knowledge shone for them when they put when they put on shame they knew that they were naked with regard to knowledge when they sobered up they saw that they were naked and they became enamored of one another. When they saw their makers, they loathed them since they were beastly forms. They understood very much. Now, when the rulers saw that their Adam had acquired a different knowledge, they were troubled because Adam had sobered from every ignorance. They gathered together and took counsel, and they said, Behold, Adam has become like one of us, so that he understands the distinction of light and darkness. Now, lest perhaps he is deceived in the matter of the tree of knowledge, and he also comes to the tree of life and eats from it, and becomes immortal and rules and condemns us, and regards us and all of our glory as folly, afterward he will pass judgment on us and the world. Come, let us cast him out of paradise down upon the earth, the place whence he was taken, so that he will no longer be able to know anything more about us. And thus they cast Adam and his wife out of paradise, and this which they had done did not satisfy them. Rather, they were still afraid. They... Hey, does? Yeah, well, see, that that's that whole, uh, again, my whole understanding of what it means to to see that you're naked. See, when, when, when you have the, the fruit from the tree of knowledge and know how to make things work, it also... Is, is enough knowledge to, to allow you to understand that it's limited. In other words, it leaves you naked. Even, so therefore, you, do, you keep looking for more. Um, and that's when you're cast out of the garden because then you, you feel vulnerable and you think, well, I have to use my ego. I have to use the fruit from the tree of knowledge in order to, to not be vulnerable. And that's what it means to be outside the garden or outside the flow. Mm-hmm. That's that's the understanding that I've come to. Wait, wait, can you repeat that? I was kind of digging. What do you say? About the naked? 
Well, naked is, is see, the, the ego, the tree of knowledge is magnificent because it realizes that it's limited. So to realize that you're limited, that means you realize you're naked, you're vulnerable. So you're constantly then trying to, to get more knowledge to overcome your vulnerability. Yeah. And that, and, th and therefore you're out of the flow. came to the tree of life and they set great terrors around it fiery living beings called I was gonna say, uh, not, not putting you down grandpa but just if we can let's try to talk fast because you know there's not that much time you know hey, does it no comment cherubim and they left a flaming sword in the midst turning continually with a great terror so that no one from among earthly men might ever enter that place unquote Eating the fruit in the Garden of Eden belongs to Coagula. Coagula. Hey, it does? No. I heard one idea that the reason why there's the flaming swords is, is it's, yeah, it's supposed to protect you from going back into the garden, but also it's supposed to guide you back to the garden, the flaming, so that you can see where it is, like any of those that. Hmm. That's an interesting interpretation. Sorry. Eating the fruit in the Garden of Eden belongs to Coagulatio symbolism. Coagulatio symbolism refers to alchemy um, and represents a grounding process accompanying conscious realization. Hence, the text just quoted states that Adam is cast out of paradise down upon the earth, implying that heretofore he had not quite been born into earthly existence. Okay, so then we come to the flood and the tower of Babel. Or there's like a midrash that, I forget what it was exactly what he said it was, but like, you know, whenever the ram's horn is blown, it's supposed to represent like when uh, that God's apologizing for when he asked Isaac to be sacrificed. And that, I, I guess I, that could be like an idea that first you should look at that metaphorically, but, you know, don't think that like you should be sacrificing people. I don't know, it doesn't. No. remarkable event precedes the flood quote when men had become to be plentiful on the earth and daughters had been born to them the sons of god looking at the daughters of men saw they were pleasing so they married as many as they chose the nephilim giants were on the earth at that time and even afterwards when the sons of god resorted to the daughters of men and had children by them these are the heroes of days gone by the famous men genesis 6 one through four. This passage is immediately followed by the statement, Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that the thoughts in his heart fashioned nothing but wickedness all day long. Genesis 6, 5. The implication is clear. Forbidden intercourse between the divine and the human realms is responsible for this wickedness. The ego is contaminated by identification with archetypal contents and inflation the giants results this state of affairs provokes the flood hey does no yahweh regretted having made man on the earth genesis 6 6 the inflated ego has gravely alienated itself from <coughs> itself and is threatened with extinction noah as an exception signifies the residual ego integrity that retains a viable connection 
with the self. This connection is made manifest in the theme of the covenant. God, Elohim, says to Noah, quote, I mean to bring a flood and send the waters over the earth to destroy all flesh on it. Every living creature under heaven, everything on earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you must go on board the ark yourself, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives along with you. Genesis 6, 17 and 18. Applying this imagery to the psychology. Any thoughts? No. So are, are, are we our bodies? Gavin, any thoughts? No, we have a body. So then people say, well, then we're, we're our souls, right? Like, any thoughts on it? Well, or we are. We are aring. We are being. So, so are you your genes? No, we have genes. But genes do affect your, you know, your proclivities and stuff, right? And your strengths and everything. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's just like your hands and and your your height and your weight and all of that affects you. But you don't want to resign to that, right? You don't want to. Right. You don't want. To, you don't want to let that run your life. Yeah. Any other? No. Of the individual, it refers to an impending massive inundation by the unconscious, a threatened psychosis. In such desperate circumstances, Noah, the eagle, the ego, receives the promise of a covenant from Elohim, the self. Again, after the flood subsided, Elohim, Elohim said to Noah, quote, I establish my covenant with you. No, nothing, uh, no thing of flesh shall be swept away again by the waters of the flood. There shall be no flood to destroy the earth again. Here is the sign of the covenant I make between myself and you and every living creature with you for all generations. I set my bow in the I set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Genesis nine, eleven and twelve. The bow obviously being a rainbow. Considered psychologically, these passages tell us that a covenant, a conscious connection between the ego and the self is apt to occur at times when the unconscious is highly activated and threatens to inundate the ego. Once one has weathered such a threat inundation without breaking of the ego, one is largely, largely immunized against future attacks. Sometimes the actual image of a rainbow is used in dreams to convey this message. Such encounters... It does? No. Whereas with the activated unconscious commonly give one glimpse of wholeness symbolized by the rainbow spectrum of color, the omni colore of alchemy. Jung remarks, quote, the omni colore are frequently mentioned in the text as indicating something like totality. They all unite in the albedo, white whitening, which for many alchemists was the climax of the work. Morally, this means that the original state of psychic disunity, the inner chaos of conflicting part souls which origin likens to herds of animals becomes the vir unus the unified man which is equivalent to integrating the many colors for psychologically the contradictory feeling values into a single color of white another version of divine retribution occurs in the tower of babel incident 
divine retribution occurs in the Tower of Babel incident. Man was gripped with a great urge to sublimatio and said, let us build ourselves a town and a tower with its top reaching to heaven, Genesis 11.4. Yahweh, annoyed at this invasion of his realm, opened a counterattack. This is but the start of their undertakings. There will be nothing too hard for them to do. It does. Yeah, well, see, again, that's been usually interpreted as divine retribution rather than simply being the context, uh, the consequence of of thinking that that the ego is magnificent and it can, it can accomplish whatever it chooses to accomplish. Uh-huh. That's that's what I understand the Tower of Babel to mean. Yeah. Yeah, does it? No. Come, let us go down and confuse their language on the spot so that they can no longer understand one another. Genesis 11, 6 through 7. Yahweh, Yahweh resents man striving for heaven, and yet this is due to the way he made him. Let us make man in our own image, in the likeness of ourselves, he says in Genesis 1.26. Naturally, having a built-in God image, man will strive to be God-like. Evidently, Yahweh wasn't aware of what he was in for when he created a free and autonomous creature. Initially, all men spoke the same language, but after the confusion of tongues, many languages arose. This represents a process of differentiation arising out of original homogeneity. Understood psychologically. He does. Yeah, well, see, that's that's interpreting from a cause and effect point of view, but again, from the transpersonal, as I understand it, it just means that that when you think you can make things happen, then you get into disagreements and arguments and no, this is the way. No, this is the way. No, this is the way. And that's what it means. Different languages. That's what I understood. This is a positive event indicating a developmental process in which individual differences are born out of the original state of participation mystique. The fact that yeah, it doesn't. The myth represents this event as a crime is further evidence of the ambiguous nature of consciousness. At least in part, the quest for consciousness is against nature and exposes the individual to reprisal. And yet even that is ambiguous because Yahweh's reprisal of confusing the language is the very instrument that brings about the differentiation. The theme of multiplicity growing out of the original unconscious unity belongs to an early stage of ego development. At a later stage, the multiplicity of the psyche seeks renewed but conscious unity. This later phase is symbolized by the Pentecost, of which the Tower of Babel story is an antitype. At Pentecost, the descent of the transpersonal spirit restores the unity of communication lost at the Tower of Babel, Acts 2, signifying a conscious reconnection of ego and self, which had been necessarily lost at an earlier stage of development. Okay, so that is... It does? No. Chapter 2, I do have some comments on that, I'll just peek at your chats first, though. So Oleg says, so Jung understands what his true God is in reality. Time to read the Bible again. Yes, you can say that. And as I have many times commented, <laughs> Nietzsche declared God dead because Nietzsche was a rationalist, and God doesn't live in the rational world. No, 
tablets of the psyche. And so Dr. Jung found the living God, where he lives, and how he goes about doing the work of the Godhead, very simply. Um, now, uh, you know, a few comments I have. First of all, this, if you listen to it again, and just think of the birth of any infant. The infant is in uh, the primateria uh, during its gestation period, and then it drops out of heaven, and I've been present for the birth of two of my daughters, and the first thing an infant sees is the light. And it's quite a shock. You can see the shock on the face of the infant, which sort of squints up and says, yeah, what's going on? So, you know, that's really what's happening. And what's being described here is how an infant starts. All right, here's the next part. Ready? Any thoughts on it? What, what did you yeah, say? Here's the next part. I'm, I'm going to skip that because he's just talking. All right, ready? Your next chapter, ready? Okay. Well, I was going to say, what do you think about this idea that people say that, like, for men, there's more extremes than for women? Like, you know, men... There's a lot more men with that are like super geniuses and men who are like super dumb, whereas for women it's it's more of a, you know less less extremes, you know. And and there's a, any, any thoughts of that? No, I never never heard that. And, and and they said like you know there's there's more men who are like, you know making big breakthroughs in science, but then there's also more men in jail, you know, and there's. Like you know, all these extremes. Like, what? Why is there more men in jail than women? Like, any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always dangerous to make generalizations, but it's uh, uh, a good question. Yeah, I wonder if there is more men in jail than women. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to look at that statistically. Well, you know, someone with a genetic Arwenian idea would say it's because, you know, men are trying to get money and stuff and power so that they can get more women, you know. But maybe that's because that's what men are expected to do culturally, to get money and power and, and, and so they feel the impetus to steal and kill to do it, you know. Any thoughts? Whereas for women, it's more, they, they, they tell them more, you don't have to do that, you're fine, just look for uh, someone to take care of you, you know, any thoughts? Yeah, it could be. There's always a short delay before I actually see that you're online here, so this is why I get started a little late. Um, okay, so uh, I've been reading and will for the next couple of weeks be reading uh, the Bible and the Psyche, um, Individuation Symbolism in the Old Testament by Edward F. Edinger. Escaped from 
um, Abraham and Sarah and went and um, did the things which led to the foundation of Islam later on. And so, anyway. Can you hear this speed or is it too fast? No, it, it's not too fast, although it's it's a little bit quiet. Did you move it away from the speaker or something? This is the chapter. Tell me if it's too fast. Abraham and Yahweh. The call. The idea of covenant relations between God and man occurs again in the story of Abraham, where it takes on a more definite and mutual aspect, as Yahweh calls Abraham out of Haran. Quote. It does? Yeah, I think I can follow that. Leave your country, your family, and your father's house. For the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name so famous that it will be used as a blessing. Unquote. Genesis. It does? Yeah, let go of your 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 nest. Mm -hmm. Don't settle for your nest. And I will make of you One. a great nation. Two. Hi Art, nice to see you here. This is the archetypal image of the call that initiates that initiates individuation. Other examples in the Old Testament included include Moses, Exodus three four, Samuel, first Samuel three four, Isaiah, Isaiah six eight, and Jonah, Jonah one one. The Apostle Paul makes frequent reference to this theme, for instance, in Ephesians 4, 1, quote, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, therefore, to lead a life worthy of your vocation, places, unquote. The call is also a prominent image in Gnosticism. The Gnostic call is directed to one who is drunken, asleep, lost in the darkness. It is a call to wake up and remember one's heavenly origin. One such Gnostic call reads, quote, My soul, O most splendid one, whither hast thou gone? Return again, awake soul of splendor from the slumber of drunkenness into which thou hast fallen follow me to the place of the exalted earth where thou dwellest from the beginning Unquote. it does yeah wake up realize that you're more than than your your the, the self you think you are mm -hmm. wake up to your true identity and that that's by just going all out all effort you know in the flow yeah yeah that's by running like Forrest Gump yeah, don't 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 settle for promoting and protecting your ego. But yeah, don't settle for that. But just go all out and re try to you know try to reach your highest potential, but not not in order to be better, but so that you can lose yourself. Right. Exactly. Oh, I'll provide you with some other references to Dr. Young's perception of this later, but. Um... is investing for a certain kind of person for those who know so anyway um carrying on hi miles thanks for letting me know but i'm not going to um i'm not going to be stopping to refer to chat until the end of this abraham is called to leave his home move to a new place a promised land where he is to multiply to the size of a nation the request to leave your country your family and your father's house is reminiscent of the saying of jesus quote it is not peace i have come to bring but a sword for i have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Matthew 10, 34 to 36. Psychologically, this is this refers to the separatio, necessary to break up a state of participation on mystique. This is a basic requirement of individuation. One must be dumped out of the psychic containers that keep one unconsciously identified with family. It does? Yeah, you, you have to be dumped out of your reliance on the special relationship that uh, nurtured you in the family. And you got to be kicked out of that womb. You must be born again. Hey, that's about enough for tonight. All right. It's good. It's a good place to stop. All right. All right. Later.